hello there, and welcome to another edition of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. You know who I am? Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you're wondering, because I have the answer. I am Mr. Warren Hayes, and this is the edition that we're doing on 10-10-2019. October 10, 2019, folks. It has been a, a it has been another fantastic week. For wrestling fans, there is so much stuff that I would like to talk about, but there is so little time. <laughs> That's the th- here. Quite frankly, right? Like I could sit here and probably talk. Uh, I, I I could probably talk with you guys for like two and a half hours this week on wrestling. But who wants that? Nobody. Nobody wants that. You got everyone has to y'all have to move on with your lives at some point. You have to try and do something else. I'm exaggerating, but there is a lot of stuff and we're going to try and get through it as as much as we can because there's so much stuff and there's so many great people joining us live here tonight on youtubecom Hayes. So many fantastic people. Look at who we have here. We have Tim Tim Traver, who's here with us tonight. Robert Larry as well. We have uh, why is my list freezing up? There we go. We have Benoit, of course, who's here with us. Uh, uh, Zachary Shiloh is here. Anthony Davis. We have Ryan Smith. Mister Fretz is here. Michael Stepney. Joe Anthony making his comeback. Caleb Smith. Hope I'm not glazing over anyone. I'm very, very thankful that you guys have decided to take some time out of your Thursday evening and join me right here on youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes, where we do this live every Thursday, 9 p.m. Part of the smart to death hashtag smart to death evening of wonderful wrestling talk starting at 8 p.m. Eastern with my boy Anthony Suter and guests over at uh, youtube.com slash smart to death. And you can also check them out on, uh, on your favorite podcast applications as well at smart to death. And you can do the same thing with the Mr. Warren Hayes show. Mr. Warren Hayes show is available on all podcast applications. And if you're listening to the show right now or listening to it on YouTube in the future, why don't you give the video a thumbs up a little like that kind of stuff is fantastic. Helps support the show tremendously. If you want to support it on your, on your podcast app, same thing. Give it a like, a subscribe, a, 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 what are the other things that you can do? Reviews. Give it a review as well. That all, that kind of stuff helps out and it really, really does help grow the show. Uh, I, I can't thank you enough for your support. There's also another way you can support the show is by heading over to patreon.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. And you can show your support for what I do here on a weekly basis. Plus, you know, all the, uh, the, the prediction shows that, that I do, uh, as well. When we have big events, pay-per-views, there's going to be more and more of those coming out because we've got more and more wrestling shows to cover. If you head on over to patreon.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes, you can find, you can, you can support the show here. You can support a little more and you get a whole bunch of extra content, including a members only stream, live stream, a live podcast that I do immediately. Well, maybe not immediately, maybe a few minutes after this show right here. It's called Warren is off the clock. And tonight specifically, I'm going to be talking about AEW Darko. We're talking about JR's weird commentary during the women's match. And I'm also going to be talking about Molly Holly as well. She was uh, included into uh, WWE 2K20 
WWE 2K20 this year. Uh, and uh, she's a fantastic wrestler. And uh, a lot of people, turns out not a lot of people know who she is. Um, sparked a lot of uh, a lot of thoughts, a lot of uh, um, uh, things buzzing in my head. Thoughts, right? We got a lot of those. So I'm going to work those out in the post stream for Patreons only. But you can go over there right now, sub, and you can join us for the live stream later on tonight. Be sure also to check everything that I'm doing at Fightful these days. I did the uh, uh, Monday night, not the Monday night, the Wednesday night wars podcast with Sean Ross Epp and Jeremy Lambert. Lumbert, a fightful since Alex was, uh, I don't know where the hell Alex was. He just didn't show up and we had to go for Jeremy. I'm kidding. Jeremy's fantastic. Uh, so, uh, Jeremy, um, uh, Jeremy, uh, Sean and I recapped AEW and NXT last night. Tomorrow I'm going to be doing the post show on fightful, uh, the SmackDown post show. Oh man. Are we going to be talking about SmackDown tonight? Uh, and, uh, and then, and then, and then, and then that's it. Oh, Monday, Monday evening, uh, Anthony Suter, I'm going, uh, and I, am going to be heading over to the smart to death channel. We're going to be recapping, um, uh, King of pro wrestling, the new Japan uh, event happening this Monday. Really excited to take a look at that. Uh, and it's going to be good to talk about some new Japan in a, a bit in depth. Seems to me it's been a while. I feel a little rusty, but I'll get unrusted. So I'm going to be doing that on Monday, so be sure to check that out. Uh, and uh, and if you're a Patreon of uh, of the Mr. Warren Hayes show, there's content popping up uh, surprisingly on a fairly regular basis. So so you, so that's it. We got all of that, and of course, of course, be sure to check out BellToBells.com, BellToBells premier spot for all your women's wrestling coverage. You go over there, you check out the fantastic staff that's over there writing amazing articles, getting great, great insights on the wonderful world of women's wrestling. Belltobells.com. That's B E L T O B E L E S.com. Or follow on Twitter at Belltobells as well. Follow me on Twitter as well if you don't. Subscribe to my channel if you don't. I mean, my YouTube channel. I mean, I mean come on. <laughs> so easy i don't know why you don't do it oh a bunch of people just jumped in want to say hello to um want to say hello to nick wolf who just jumped in ben b productions thank you for the nice compliment about my sweater i decided to put on a, a nice cardigan this evening decided to look good for you guys this evening why not i appreciate i appreciate the comment thank you um so, uh, so yeah, so there we go. We got people, we got people coming in. We've got uh, wrestling to talk about. You know what? Might as well, might as well just go ahead and start with the WWE inspection. For a minute there, I thought it wasn't going, I thought it wasn't going to start. Shut up, entrance music. Two out of every three shows. Two out of every. <laughs> Start with that. All right, um, we're going to be covering a lot of WWE this week, but you know, because we had we did have a pay per view, didn't we? We had Hell in a Cell, right? And I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm not gonna go in depth into Hell in a Cell. I do have some thoughts put up on on Patreon about it, but you know what? I am going to give the show in general overall. I'm going to give it. Wait a second. <laughs> Live show, everyone. There we go. I'm gonna give it a. 
uh, a good old cool beans stamp. Um, maybe not like an enthusiastic cool beans, like, yeah, this this show was fantastic. It was good. Like I did I don't think it's as bad as everyone, or at least a lot of people, made it out to be. A lot of people uh, on Twitter were going around claiming worst pay-per-view of all time. And I'm like, dude, you have not watched Sold Out 97, have you? You have not watched um, uh, AWA Super Clash 3, have you? You have not watched Heroes of Wrestling, Bash at the Beach 2000, Backlash 2018. Those were awful pay-per-views. This wasn't this wasn't awful by any stretch of the imagination. This was fun. Maybe a certain event during the pay-per-view tainted it for some folks. Let's put it that way. But uh it was far from being far, far from being good from being bad. Look, uh uh Becky and Sasha quite honestly quite possibly had the best one of the one of the top five best matches in WWE this year. And there's a compelling argument to put it on your 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 match of the year lists regardless. It was really the Hell in the Cell match between those two was a lot of fun. Very, very good creative spots in there was compelling and was uh they 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 ran a good pace. It was a great marathon they 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 ran. Uh, apparently Sasha got hurt. That's a bit of a bummer, but we'll see what happens. I thought Corbin versus Gable was pretty good. The, uh, Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan versus Bludgeon Bros match was really good. I thought it was a great tag team match. It was weird that they placed it immediately after the Hell in the Cell because you had really two bangers back to back. I thought the Kabuki Warriors versus Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross was fine. And Orton and, and Mustafa Ali... I thought that they worked well together. And I think there should be more Randy Orton and Mustafa Ali in the uh in the uh, uh near future. I really think they worked quite well together. But should we talk about the main event? Yeah, let's talk about the main event. Should we get this out of the way right now? Ugh. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do because I, you know, I do have this look. Okay, let's just get it out of the way. Let's. Uh, so, so overall, overall, of course, as I said, you know, we're gonna go with cool beans for, uh, for, for, for the show overall. But you, you know what's coming up. You, you know, we're going with some hot trash for the main event for Fiend versus Seth Rollins for all the reasons that have been exposed. Uh, this was, this was the worst decision, first and foremost, to even put. To even make this match happen. The booking was was stupid to begin with, first and foremost. Moving on after that, this is what I think is most deplorable in this entire situation. Outside of the fact that, you know, it took like 70 million stomps to even, to just not even beat The Fiend, just like make him feel woozy. Um, yeah. The, the 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 referee stoppage the whole thing second year in a in a row where we get a hell in a cell match where where the hell in a cell uh where the hell in a cell finish is not decisive i think it compromises the integrity of hell in a cell i think it's I, look my thoughts are up on patreon if you want to listen 
What I'm going to add here, though, is what fascinates me and what I think is, is just boggles my mind is why WWE didn't lean into it on Monday. Because that was the reason I was tuning into Raw on Monday. I was looking forward to seeing what they were going to do with the with with the main event situation and basically their 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 idea was well we're just not going to talk about it we're just, we're just going to move away and we're not going to talk about it tonight they did i mean i mean you know what i mean when i say they don't not talk about it they did like they they recapped it but seth didn't show up the fiend didn't show up on tv i know he was in the dark uh thing dark match but if the night before on Sunday, what you ended up doing was inadvertently creating a double turn where essentially the fiend became your top baby face in the company and Seth, the audience turned on Seth and he became enemy number one. Why didn't you just lean into that? I've been very positive regarding Seth Rollins' run as champion, his babyface credentials. I've said it of uh, numerous times here on the show that I like the scrappy a- aspect of him where he's, you know, he tries he tries his best to, you know, to win fairly, but he's not above using underhanded tactics and I always said I like that little that little color that he has in his character. But, and, and you know, I've, I've been not blocking out. I've been dismissive of people saying that, oh, his run sucks. He's terrible. You know, I understand how he rubs some people a, a certain way. But, you know, with the way that he reacts towards the audience and the way that his run is going... I think Seth would be better served as a as a heel. Have him come out on Monday saying announcing to the world, you know, I I went through hell in the cell. <laughs> Let me write your promos. Um I went through hell that evening. I had to face something otherworldly took me into a dark place and what do you guys do you sit around and you pull out signs saying Seth Rollins is not cool you you crap on me on social media when I start talking about how great WWE is is and then you start you start to shit on me and you know what I'm tired of doing stuff for you people or maybe have them be like a, a, a you know why don't you guys like me I kind of like a but Bailey kind of has that gimmick right now at least have him lean into the fact that the fans are turning on him. If the fans are turning on you, then let them do it. Because what I'm afraid of for Seth, what I'm afraid of is that they are going to that they're going to do a, a John Cena or a Roman Reigns with on him. The audience will eventually the, the, the audience has turned on him, that they're going to they're going to start disliking him. Uh, uh, 100% kind of thing, like full force, but there's, but WWE is going to maintain, is going to maintain his, uh, his babyface face status. They're going to, they're just going to keep shoving it down our throats and it's just going to make us hate him more. I, that's what I, that's what I'm afraid of. 
The Fiend took the took a beating. People were behind the, the Fiend. They wanted him to win. They wanted him to overcome what Seth was doing because Seth was, he was, he, he had gone violent. He'd gone cuckoo crazy. You had, you had created your top baby face in the company. You had the best heel possible. Why didn't you just lean into that on Monday? I don't understand. What I understand even less is what they're doing tomorrow night on SmackDown. Num- they're... Seth and Roman, number one contenders, not not number one contenders. They're fighting. They're representing each brand to be the number one, to be in the number one pick, to be the number one pick for the draft tomorrow. Why is this being determined by a match, first and foremost? And even if there is a number one draft pick, you don't have to pick the, like on the board, you don't have to pick number one. You can still pick number two if you want. So I don't understand what, what even the stakes are really. And then third, who decided that it was Seth and Roman who were going to represent the brands in this match? Who? Ah, we'll probably talk about it next week. But those were my thoughts about the Hell in the Cell main event. I think it's time for us to to move on. A lot, a lot of has been has been said and spilled in regards uh, in regards to it. So let's just move on. We're gonna we're gonna. This is odd, right? Like I, this, this is like the first Mr. Warren Hayes show that I do with SmackDown on Friday. So we're going to have to go back. Like we, we're actually going back a week here to talk about, uh, to talk about SmackDown live. So, and and I mean, you know, I, it, it's a little strange. It's a little strange. I, I won't, I won't, um, uh, I won't lie here, but we're going to, we're going to go back and start to uh, start talking about um SmackDown Live, Aaron's Jay's, Aaron Jay's fan, excuse me. How are you doing? Um, Joe Anthony says, uh, oh, wait a minute, we're not talking, we're talking about, you guys are talking about a whole bunch of stuff that isn't necessarily related here. Mr. Fretz does say that, the, that it was a very divisive finish and fans were, n- went nuts on each other over it. Twitter was super toxic Sunday night. Look, I'm not a reporter. I don't, I don't, I'm, I don't own a news website. I do have friends who dabble or more than dabble. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you guys this much. There was a lot of commotion even backstage at WWE. This, this was not a unanimous, the, the main event did not go over unanimously. A lot of people were disappointed in it. A lot of people who don't usually express their opinions to journalists were very disappointed in it. And the, the, the Vincent K. McMahon thing that he was laughing, I just saw Caleb put, uh, put, put that out in the, in the chat. He was, he was laughing at the match or so what, but he was not laughing at the result. Like at the audience reaction, like he thought the match he was laughing because he thought the match was going his way. But then when he when the crowd reacted the way he did, it did. Excuse me, he reined it back, and he said he said to himself, "Well, hang on a second. This this might not be where we should be going with this," which is one of the reasons why it was barely touched on on Monday, because everyone is a bit embarrassed. Everyone, there's a, there's a general consensus that it sucked and they shouldn't have done it, but they did. 
but they did. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. enough of the hell in the cell. We're going to get some cool beans going with the opening segment of SmackDown on Friday. By God, the first person you see coming out on SmackDown, the first episode on Fox, on network television, who is the first WWE superstar that walks to the ring? It is Becky Lynch. Now, if you don't think that she is not considered the face of the company, well, you're wrong, and you were proved wrong. (laughs) She comes out, starts to cut a promo, Baron Corbin comes out, he tries to counter her, and then The Rock comes out to an enormous, enormous reaction. The Rock hits his old classics. He and Becky double-team Corbin with promos, very cutting promos. Becky was in her element. Becky, Becky's a great mic worker up against the rock. She, she didn't feel out of place. It was fantastic. They start talking about testicles. Becky says, uh, the rock says, you know, Becky Lynch is the man, even though she doesn't have testicles. Becky says, well, even if I did have testicles, they'd be bigger than yours. Talking about Baron Corbin and Baron Corbin's like, Hey, my testicles are perfectly fine. A perfectly adequate. That was just, it was the perfect line. I want to say a little Kristen Ashley who just arrived just as we're talking about testicles. They uh, they start calling him a super tough dude, STD. Rock endorses Becky big time in this match, and eventually they do get their licks in uh, with um, with the Rock hitting a rock bottom and a people's elbow. I was I was very much reticent uh, going into this match. Not going into the match, but starting the show with a with a promo. As you guys and gals know, I'm not a fan of starting with talking. I much prefer the action. But if you're going to start with something as incredible as this, and this was a moment, and it was smart. It was smart to do it. You start off, you start off SmackDown with The Rock. So anyone who's flipping channels, who's looking for something to watch. 8 p.m. on a Friday, sees The Rock. Everyone knows who The Rock is. Rock is a superstar. Everyone likes The Rock. It's like, oh, well, what's he doing? And you just sit there and you watch, and this can lead to people sticking around. Absolutely. And this was about a 20-minute segment on top of that. This was like 20 minutes, and it flew by. Testament to how good, well-produced it was. This was really, really good. Uh, another thing that was really, really good, and we're going to keep the, um, the, uh, cool beans stamp right there. The women's match that followed Becky and Charlotte versus the boss and hug connection. Um, this was a hell of a statement, hell of a statement like Becky Lynch coming out as the first superstar that you see on SmackDown and the first match that you have. Is, a, is your four top women. So what you're doing, essentially, what you're telling your viewing public here is, look, maybe you've watched wrestling back in 1998 when Sable was parading around with um, with hand pasties over, hand-shaped pasties over her nipples. Uh, and, and there were evening gown matches and, and the like. But the women have gone through many transformations since. And we believe in them and we believe they're a cornerstone of the show. And here, by the way, are the top five women in the, co- the top four women, excuse me, in the company. 
This was a huge statement. And turns out the ladies delivered. It was a great match. It was a lot of fun. Bailey taps out to uh to Charlotte. That was fine. Bailey here again in the match was the was the MVP, the workhorse of the match once again. I loved it. I thought it it made a fantastic statement. It was a good way to start. Uh good action, good match. I thought I, everything clicked here. Something I feel didn't click quite as much though was Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon. And I, in fact, we're going to dump this one into the hot, hot trash bin because, oh boy, oh boy, this was nothing, nothing special. And I have reasons for this, but I'm going to get to them in a little while. I think there's reasons why this happened. But, I mean, if you've watched wrestling for any, any part of the last 18 to 24 months, there is nothing, nothing that KO and Shane did tonight that we have not seen them do either on either side doing their own matches or even together because Owens and Shane have been feuding on and off with each other for the past 18 months. Kevin Owens is always fighting for his job. There was nothing here that stood out of the ordinary. Yes, it was the spot match. The 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 frog splash um, from Owens onto the ladder the, 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 that was bridged fantastic that was a great spot but everything else is stuff that we've seen we've seen Shane do we've seen KO do there was nothing nothing to this match aside from stunts but again this was supposed to be the match for stunts but if you were a fan of wrestling if you watch WWE there was nothing that you haven't seen here before so Let's uh, let's move on then. I I didn't care for it. Didn't think it. Uh, I, don't get me wrong. Uh, I'm I'm going to make the cool bean sign flash. It because uh, Shane McMahon is going to be gone off our TV viewing uh, tubes for a while. But the match is still hot trash. Um, and I'm going to. I'm going to talk about SmackDown in and about itself and for, for, for the rest here. And I'm see, I'm not quite sure exactly how I should go ahead and stamp this. I, I really, really don't. Um, so I think I'm just going to, we're just going to warm soda this one. We're going to give this one the warm soda stamp, but the subject to change as I go along. SmackDown on Fox on Friday was not designed for wrestling fans. It wasn't, it wasn't made for wrestling fans. Everything that we like about wrestling and even about, you know, the stuff that we like about WWE was not there. We had at some point, there were a lot of showcase matches. There were a lot of things that were created just to put people on TV. But we... We had we had a six man an eight man tag match where we had Braun Strowman, Heavy Machinery, and The Miz versus uh, Dolph Ziggler, Bobby Roode, Randy Orton, and AJ Styles. And they were all in this nothing match. Nothing happened. The only thing the only thing this match existed for was to get Braun to have a face off with Tyson Fury. Then we had the 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 lumberjack match, 
I hate lumberjack matches, but you had a bunch of people there. You had, you were like, oh, look, the revival is there. Your, your tag team champions are there, but you're not having them fight. Instead, we're having Roman and Rowan who are going to fight on Sunday. We're going to have them have a, a whatnot in a stupid fucking lumberjack match. And Roman ends up beating Rowan in some in a very in a very confused lumberjack. Look, lumberjack matches just don't work. I wish I wish we just stop, just stop with one lumberjack matches. I hate them. So, so even then and there, the match was okay. But then it, why do we care about watching them on Sunday? Then the only real match outside of the KO Shane stunt fest was the women at first. After that, there was no wrestling that you could sink your teeth into. The rest was all about getting that sweet, sweet mainstream media attention, that delectable melt-in-your-mouth MSM. You had in a ring, you had AJ Styles, you had AJ Styles. Full gear on in a ring. And you didn't do anything with him. Instead, Braun Strowman putting up his dukes in front of Tyson Fury, who I barely know who he was. If you're a boxing fan, if you follow combat sports outside of wrestling, then you're probably familiar with him. But I'm not sure that he's that much of a um of a commodity. Mike Tyson, that's something else. Tyson Fury, not quite sure. But then again, you know, I much prefer they put Brock in a situation. If they're going to put Braun in these types of situations where he has to fight uh, the outside uh, outside guys, well, might as well be against an athlete and not, uh, you know, jabronis or the, the SNL guys. You know, at least there's that. But everything was set up for... The mainstream media attention. Kane Velasquez coming back is the same thing. Velasquez return uh, popping up as a surprise is the exact same thing. It's to get ESPN and Fox Sports. Well, Fox Sports is easy. They're all they're they're all <laughs> they're all together in the same in the, in the same family now. But ESPN and CBS Sports and Sports Illustrated get them all excited so that you can see pictures of Brock Lesnar being mounted by Cain Velasquez or Lesnar cowering off. That's all it was for. And Kofi was sacrificed for this. And that's mind-boggling. There was nothing in this match that was made for fans. And it went right into the Kofi thing. And Kofi... Losing the title that night, it's not just a question of, it, it's not just a question of how he lost it. It's not just, it, it goes a little beyond that. And I'm going to start beating on the, 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 the same old drum again here, folks. The storyline drum. As fans of the show, we deserved a proper payoff to Kofi Kingston's story. This was not a proper payoff. 
Kofi started his run in February last year when he won in the Elimination Chamber, got himself over completely organically. It was the audience who got behind it, who created Kofi Mania, backed up by his buddies in the New Day, sure. But he was not the guy that they had envisioned to be facing Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. Because as you recall, Kofi stepped in to take Ali's place when Ali got injured because Ali was supposed to be in that match. So they didn't know what they wanted to do with Kofi up until the crazy crowd reactions he started to get. He wins at WrestleMania and he's con he continues his run. He has a fantastic run. He lost before losing to Brock. He probably lost three matches overall. He was extremely well booked, booked strong, booked smart and was a fantastic champion all throughout. And his story, all his story was 11 years clawing my way to where I am. Now I am going to fight tooth and nail for to, to keep this championship. I've worked too hard and I was propulsed by the fans. The fans made, got me where I am today. So I am going all the way with this. This was an organic build. This was built by the fans and it was given to the fans. The least that could have been done here was let Kofi fight tooth and nail to try and beat Brock and fail. I don't mind if he loses the title to Brock. What I do mind is not getting a story, a satisfying conclusion to a story. The Kofi Kingston storyline should have ended with a hard, difficult loss. One that he did his best to overturn, but could not. Not as a goddamn fool run and jump into an F5. Kofi was booked too smart throughout all his run to have done something that stupid, but he did it. And why? Because we needed Cain Velasquez to come out and we needed to get uh, we needed to get mainstream press on this. I don't mind that he lost if it makes sense, but this doesn't make sense. And it's erased. We didn't even get to see Kofi in a corner holding his head, maybe crying a little. Nothing. He disappeared after. This is a hard reset. This is. People in creative saying, well, we got to go with Velasquez, so Kofi has to drop the title and we'll have him drop it like that. And that, friends, fans of WWE, this is where the company, their creative, fails us when they do not deliver a proper payoff to the story. It's not, it's a payoff for us. The Kofi Kingston story was a fan story. It was fan built, fan made. I think the reason that we're that we got really really angry at it is because of how unsatisfying it ended up being. What is the point of investing ourselves into these characters, these personas that we believe in, that we get emotionally attached to if WWE is just going to snuff them out like that? It's insulting. It gives nothing back. 
And what does it do? It creates a feud for Brock with the guy who isn't even in the company. And, and this is Sean on Friday when I did the post show that pointed it out. And I'm going to, I'm going to reiterate his point because it makes perfect sense. There was no reason for Velasquez and Brock to have a title involved. Velasquez and Brock has, it's a story that can tell itself. If you absolutely want to put Cain Velasquez in your main event against Brock, have him come in and cost Brock the, the, the shot. Have him do a run-in, a good old-fashioned wrestling run-in, just when you think uh, Brock is about to destroy Kofi with an F5, that Kofi has given everything he can. Cain Velasquez runs in, uh, trips up Brock, I don't know, puts him in a Kimura, whatever, just takes Brock, or Brock just runs the hell away, causing a, a 10 count and Kofi retains. You don't need the title for Brock versus Velasquez. That's not the story you want to tell. The, 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 the title is a prop. You don't need it. And it would have made more sense at the same time. So we end up with Kofi Kingston having one of the most remarkable an inspirational WWE title runs in a long time, dropping the title for no reason outside of giving a feud for Brock with the guy who's not even in the company. So, yeah, you know what? I'm sweat. There we go. Hot trash. I didn't like Smack. I didn't care for SmackDown because, like I said, nothing for the fans. Not even in the way. That they treated Kofi. Um, let's move on to Raw. Some warm soda. I'm going to give it to Natalia versus Lacey Evans in their uh, last woman standing match. It was fine. It was fine. I think what bugged me the most was, you know, too many counts to nine where, first and foremost, too many counts up uh, up to nine. And then too many times Natalia getting up at nine like she's a WWE 2K AI character that really bugged me. I like the final. Uh, um, I, I like the final spot where she tosses uh, Lacey off the um, off the stage. That was cool. But man, Lacey Evans, she's not. She's still not. She's not ready for for these for these big events. I like the fact that turns out that it's Natalia who gets the uh, who gets the win out of this rubber match. This best. Out of this best of five turns out. <laughs> so uh <clears throat> so that was something. A little warm soda there. Wasn't bad, wasn't great. But was what was pretty good though was the OC versus Lucha House Party. Lucha House Party not looking like a bunch of dopes on Raw. That's something. The LHP, uh, they did a lot of lucha things to begin with. The Kalisto with some snappy arm drags at first. They did even did a, a triple moonsault, the Lucha House Party guys, onto the outside, all from the same post. That looked cool. Um, I liked uh, AJ Styles rolling out of the Selena Del Sol, then connecting with the Pele kick. It was perfect, perfectly timed. The LHP get destroyed after the match. And Lindsay Dorado eats a second rope. Styles clash. Good stuff. I thought this was great. Makes the uh, OC look like a, like a bunch of son of a bitches. Sons of bitches, a bunch of sons of bitches. I thought that was good. Benoit in the chat says, I appreciated that Natty took the time to position 
her being Lacey in the safest way for the finish. She is such a pro and a fantastic worker. Mr. Fred says next match is an Edmonton speeding ticket on a pole match. <laughs> I like that. Um, and just that going back again, Critical Sting, who's here? How you doing? No, oh, and Carlos is here as well. How you doing? Critical Sting about the SmackDown, about SmackDown saying, isn't SmackDown supposed to be the A show? Well, you know, we'll see what happens this week. We do have the, you know, we do have another show again tomorrow on Friday. Uh, but um, mm, mm, I'm kind of feel I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. We'll see what happens. Going to give another cool beans to uh, Becky and Charlotte on the Miz TV segment, followed by their match against the Kabuki Warriors. I love the banter between Becky and Charlotte. I am there for it. They play off each other fantastically. Becky saying, I made this title famous. Charlotte says, I made you famous. This is great. It was great. I love how they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, professionally, we'll we'll do what we need to do together. But, you know, I still don't like you. Hey, you know what? I still don't like you too. And I love, here's one thing. I love how Becky put an emphasis on Asuka. How she, you know, she has things to settle with Asuka. Becky Lynch has never defeated Asuka. She has never, ever been in a situation in a match, whether it's a singles match or a Survivor Series match or a Royal Rumble match where she has beaten Asuka. There is a story here. And Becky brought this up. There's a story here where Asuka just might have the man's number and I'm down for this. And I thought this was a great match. It's... I love, look, if they're going to go heel with Asuka and Kyrie, having them come out screeching in Japanese is absolutely the best way to go about it. That is awesome. And it will get the, it'll get the heat. It'll get the heat. It's fantastic. And I love it. But does it mean that, okay, so if they're heels now, does that mean that Kyrie's no longer a pirate? Because she didn't have her pirate gear and It kind of breaks my heart. Not going to lie. But this was a good match. Some solid action. The return of the green mist. Man, I... Oh, so good. I mean, and it, it makes perfect sense for Asuka to be green misting. And what I liked here, as opposed to when they pulled out the green mist at uh, Hell in a Cell to win the titles, uh, Kyrie rolled Becky up in a way because it was Becky that did that got the mist in a way that the referee couldn't see the green on the face. You know, so he, the way he was positioned and the way she had curled him up, she had curled Becky up. There was no way he, that the ref could see the mist and be like, wait a second, this was a, not a part of uh, your makeup composition uh, to begin with. This is, this, is, this is how WWE referees talk, by the way. This was not a part of your makeup comp composition when you began the match. Kyrie Sane, and uh, what are you doing to Becky Lynch? Because Becky Lynch does not have the green when she comes in. She has the red. She is the fire uh, girl on the fire with the steam. Uh, not the green drippy face.
Daniel Bryce says, uh, face heal, Asuka is Muda, misting people. That's all that matters. You know what, Daniel? If you were here right now, I would I would legit high-five you. That comment gave me shivers. Yeah, baby. That was good stuff. Um, and, uh, and, I, and I love the, the I'll, I'm going to keep a cool beans here. I'm going to love, I, I love the, uh, the final segment with, uh, Braun and Tyson Fury. Fury, I like how Fury's demanding an apology and Braun is like, sure, I'll give it to him. If he asks nicely. <laughs> I mean, well, okay. You know, that's good. And I like how, you know, Braun starts trashing Tyson Fury and Tyson Fury says, well, you know, I've won a, a world heavyweight title. How many world heavyweight titles have you won, Braun? And ooh, the pull apart was fun. Fury's punches weren't landing. Not all of them anyway. But you know what? I mean, that's an experience. What are you going to do? And I'd prefer uh, for the safety of everyone that was involved there. I think I much prefer to that a, a professional boxer not land his punches, his bare knuckle punches on you. I prefer that he pulls them back a little too much just to make sure that um, just to make sure that he doesn't injure anyone. Uh, again, better than hanging out with the uh, Saturday Night Live dudes. Ladies and gentlemen, that was the WWE inspection. And don't get me wrong here. I didn't like Raw. <laughs> Even though I'm pointing out like a lot of cool beans, I'm like, yeah, cool beans this, cool beans that. I thought Raw was nothing. I thought it was a filler show. I thought it was stupid that they didn't do anything with Helen Cell. It was very, very there. And there was nothing really out of the ordinary about it. Ricochet and um, Apollo Crews was cool too. I've watched a lot of wrestling this week. I watched six different wrestling shows this week, and I decided that this is what I'm going to do from this point on. I am going to I, I I'm going to to um to rank the shows from from worst to best, depending on the number of shows that I watch. And I watched six shows this week. So here we go. The official Mr. Warren Hayes show rankings for the for the week starting last Friday. Last SmackDown, October 4, October 4 to October 10. There we go. Here we go. So number six, SmackDown on Fox. <laughs> wasn't for, wasn't for us wrestling fans. Number five, Raw. It was nothing. There was nothing going on. There was good moments, but a forgettable show. Number four, three, Hell in a Cell, which I thought was not as bad as everyone put, made it out to be. Number three, NXT this week. Thought it was, I thought NXT was solid. Um, I it was bookended by fantastic matches. Uh, Gulak and Leo Rush, with Leo Rush becoming NXT NXT Cruiserweight Champion. That's how it's referred to now. Uh, bittersweet because I'm in such a huge Gulak fan, but also Leo Rush. I love him as well. He's an outstanding athlete. Look, I mean. The, it's a good decision overall. Walter versus Kushida at the end had no right to be as entertaining as it was for a match on a Wednesday evening. You know what I mean? It's like this. It was so good. Uh, but it, it, very, it wasn't a bad show. Far from it. Just um, um, it slowed down uh, throughout the, 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 the rest of the program uh, and definitely not as 
not as compelling as last week's NXT. So, but still very good. That was the third spot here on my top six of the of the shows I watched this week. Number two, AEW Dynamite. I thought it was a great, solid show this week. Yeah, it was. It was a lot of fun. I everything delivered this week. Everything was really, really good. Private Party and the Young Bucks. Private Party and the Young Bucks is AEW's first must-see match. It is the first you have to go out of your way to watch this match. It was really, really good. I thought the women's tag match was fantastic. I love the idea of B Priestley and Britt Baker feuding. Every time that they start brawling with each other, there's something electric there. There's something really, really good happening. I love the angle, the the the, the finishing angle. Darby Allen sliding in to attack Chris Jericho on a skateboard is the most pro wrestling thing I have seen all week. It was so over the top magnificent. I loved it. And Darby Allen, man, that guy is a star. He is something special. I hope, hope they keep taking good, good care of that guy because he is something else. Uh, and of course, well then what, what is my number one show? The number one, my favorite show that I watched this week, NWA power, NWA power folks. I'm going to take these off one by one now because I'm a, I'm a jerk, not a jerk. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Unprepared. Oh, NWA Power was so, so good. Blaine Mendoza just popped in. And Daniel Price agrees with me. The NWA Power Show wins this week. It was goddamn fantastic. Benoit says Wednesday is the best night. Anthony Davis says Raw was a sleeper. It was. Uh, Blaine says that he needs to catch up on NXT. Fretz also agrees. Power was so good. Love the retro feel like a USWA taping or a WCW Saturday night. You've nailed it on the head. Um, yeah, and and, and uh, Justin Casey, who is here, welcome to the chat. Justin Casey says, NWA, what's in, it was incredible, and I want to talk about this now. I want to talk about NWA power. And folks, I'd like you to tell me, either in the chat or, 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 or reach out to me on Twitter, I'd like you to know how you'd like, because I... Man, I enjoyed it so much. I it's been spinning in the back of my head. How am I going to include this in my in my broadcasting in my in my in my in my weekend? There has to be something here. It spoke to me. This NWA is exactly up my alley as far as presentation, as far as uh, creating a wrestling show that has a great pace. That and it's. I don't want to spoil too much before I get into it, but let me know how you think I should, I should go about doing this to drop some ideas. I need to brainstorm a little bit. Let's, let's, let's brainstorm together. And in the meantime, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you guys, what makes NWA power so good is because it's so different. Oh, by the way, by the way, I did put up some thoughts on NWA power. Perhaps you've heard them. If you are a patron of the Mr. Warren Hayes show, patreon.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. They were, you probably, yeah, I reacted, put up my, my thoughts on Tuesday, right after the show. Um, so you can go check those out. I'm not going to go through them verbatim here, 
But I will say this. This is this this is what makes it fantastic. And it it it, it positioned itself, it told everyone, when I say it, I mean NWA, Billy Corgan said that NWA was going to be, was going to be different. They were going to do a different approach. They were going to do the studio wrestling throwback. And it was not going to be like anything else that we see currently in the wrestling landscape. And you know what? They were right. And I'm, I don't, I know what this is going to come across of 1001 OF clips. How you doing? I know what this is going to come across of as of this. I know what this is going to come across as. And I'm throwing some shade at AWA, AAW. Okay. <laughs> I'm too much in an old school. People are going to say, but Warren, you're, you're hating on AEW. You're a WWE mark. I know this is, this is what's going to happen. However, it, it bears being mentioned. AEW did, you know, their, their motto, the motto of the elite, and they led into AEW saying that, you know, what we want to do is change the world. AEW is going to offer an alternative. AEW is going to be different. Right now, I'd say there are differences between AEW and WWE. AEW is doing things very, very, uh, the match layouts, for instance, uh, you know, the focus on tag team wrestling, uh, the talent that they have definitely does. They Nobody wrestles the WWE style, so right there and then and there is different. But I mean, it's it's a presentation. It's still a gala event. It's a big sporting spectacle, nonetheless. Um, there's other stuff, you know, we could talk about, you know, women's wrestling in the AEW, you know, one women's match a week. Anywho, don't want to get into that right now. The point I'm trying to make is that AEW kept saying that they are going to be an alternative. And to, and to a certain degree, I concur. NWA, when they said we're going to do something different, they were not kidding. It is completely different to anything that we are seeing on national television right now. It is a throwback to, uh, it, it is absolutely a throwback to studio wrestling days because the studio is there. You have what, maybe 200, 300 people seated. You have the, you have the 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 PVC backdrop, you know, with the uh, with the, the the wood paneling and the logo of Power in the back, which is kind, of, you know, seems like it was printed out of a dot matrix printer. I'm exaggerating, maybe not that bad, but you know, done at the vinyl shop just down the corner. And then you have the desk made of polymer, you know, and the and I love the shot at first where you have you, the the shot is a bit overhead, and you see on the table you see a couple of pens, a marker, you have the you know, format sheets and index cards with red on them. Look, I, it felt very sport on one end and it felt very low key, you know, very low budget. I, I dug it. Like I really, really dug it. I love the entire retro feel that the show started from, uh, from the, uh, from the intro, the Dawkins song into the fire, which was fantastic. Uh, right into the, uh, like the, the, their, their slates, their cut slates, you know, where they had power, just basically like just simply on a very basic starry field, 
with the names of the next wrestlers coming up like a superimposed, very, very 1980s overlays. I thought that was fantastic. I love the camera, the cameras that they had on at ringside that with the huge lenses that looked like these, like the old Betamax uh, cameras that the dudes would sit in. And it's, you know, they still use some of those in, you know, contemporary, contemporary cameras, you know, like in sporting events and stuff. It was so good. All these little details that they were, that they were bringing in to give it like the, this throwback retro feel. I thought was amazing. But you know what made it even more amazing? Is when you realize I'm not watching retro wrestling. I'm not watching a, a an old school show. It is, an old, it is a contemporary wrestling show in an old school envelope. That's what made this really, really exciting. Because... Once we got to the presentations, when we got to the ring, there was no pyro. There was no special lighting, no laser lights. And there wasn't even entrance music. So what do you do if you strip the pageantry away? What, what do you have to do? You have to create a show that is so incredibly quick and tightly paced that people aren't, don't realize that, they're, that this is missing. And that's what I felt when Eli Drake came to do his promo or when uh, the introductions happened for the main event. I didn't really, I, I think it was really at the main event where I was like, wait a second, all this just came to the ring and there was no music, no fanfare. He just, he's in the ring with Tim Storm and they're about to fight and they're doing the inter introductions. And that's when it dawned on me. Everything was moving so so quickly that you just there you just didn't know that you were missing out on all the the other artifices that exist for wrestling i thought that was really 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 interesting the way they kicked this off um we can go through uh we can go through the, the results really quickly here uh, where we had uh, Zane and Dave Dawson, the Dawsons, defeating uh, Johnny Kickpads and uh, Jimmy Jabroni uh, in a squash match. We had Eli Drake, who defeated Caleb Conley uh, as well via, uh, via pinfall. This was, um, this was not quite a, a squash. It was a little more competitive. Um, Eli Drake cut a promo beforehand as well. Uh, it was yeah, he's fantastic. He's such a good, he's such a good promo. Um, and by the way, so is, so is Nick Aldis. Nick Aldis, who kicked off the show in his suit, looking like $50 million uh, with uh, Camille uh, by his side, placing the, the NWA title on, on, on the desk for his promo, and then cuts this fire, fire promo where you can tell he's not scripted. He's speaking from the heart. He's a guy who has the talent and the capacity to do this. He's not acting. He's being Nick Aldis. I loved his line where he says the NWA started to from a punchline and now we're a headline or something to that effect. He even, you know, talked about Allison Kay, who was, uh, who was being recognized as the NWA women's champion. She says she's continuing, continuing on the tradition of Mildred Burke. And I thought that was a nice callback as well. 
but this was not in a in an old school style. This was very modern. Was very contemporary. And Eli Drake did the same thing. He had a great match with Conley. I thought Conley looked great, and I, I I'm looking forward to seeing more of that guy. He had he hit a really nice uh slingshot spinning body press, I guess, uh, on Drake, and a really nice double stomp out of the corner as well. It was a a, a, a fun little match here. We had um uh we also had um oh yeah, this was the moment where see the match ends, and this is what I'm talking about when we're, when we're talking about pacing. The match ends, we cut to commentary, and there you have uh Josephus. Jose- Josephus, I think that's how you pronounce it, right? I, uh, some, I'm drawing a blank. Josephus, who comes out and he's looking for Tim Storm. He's like, why are you Storm, Tim Storm? And he's taking over the, the, he's taking over the commentary position. I thought that was hilarious. Finally, James Storm comes out. Not the, ten, not the Storm that Josephus was looking for, but James Storm comes out, basically challenges him to a match. Um... He says, and he tells Joseph, Josephus, you know, that the, you know, I'm a tough guy. I'm a real wrestler. You, you go back to your day job. I thought that was great. Then we had a tag team match. Uh, we had uh, the wild card, which are um, Royce Isaacs and Tom Latimer uh, defeat uh, Danny White and Mims. Mims. That's your name. M-I-M-S. Mims. You know, you're 12 years old and you're playing wrestling with your friends. My name is going to be Johnny Thunder. I'm going to be, I'm going to be Arnold Thunderdome. I'm going to be memes. <laughs> I, just, I get, I just get a kick out of it. It was a non-title squash. It was, it was fine. Good, good showing by the tag team champions. Then they come to cut a promo. Eddie Kingston and Homicide come to interrupt. Eddie Kingston, again, cutting a crazy-ass promo. These Everyone was good on their promos tonight. Meanwhile, as, as they're having a confrontation, camera shifts off and Josephus and James Storm are having a brawl. They're fighting to the ring. You're like, what? Well, Jesus, this is chaos. And in such a small, contained place, they get into the, or at least... Storm gets into the ring and Josephus stalls fantastically until he finally does get, get into the ring and eats a super kick and a pin. Uh, this was over and nothing. And then uh, we had the uh, main event, Nick Aldis defeating Tim Storm in the main event. It was a good match. Uh, you know, I've seen Tim Storm matches before, not a, not a bunch, but enough to know that uh, he looked his best in a, quite a while. I don't know how much this is on all this or not, but this was a good, good main event. I'm excited to follow NWA power at this point. It was so, so good. It was dynamic. It was fun. I hope they start showcasing their women next week because Allison K is fantastic. Thunder Rosa, are you kidding me? She She's she's special, boys and girls. She's something special. She's a great get for them. I hope that they give her the room to grow. And you know what was really, really good here as well? I mean, these were all squash matches. We got like, there was only one legitimate match. 
that lasted like over 10 minutes, which was the main event. Everything else were squashes. Even Eli Drake, you know, his match lasted like four minutes. It was so good. It was still good, but but that was the whole that was the whole part. That was the whole idea, right? Was to get people on TV. We get to know them, get to know the personalities, let them squash dudes. This was great. I can't wait to cover this more. I'm I'm excited to next to for for next week. Go figure. NWA 2019 getting me excited. Oh, and Daniel Price pointed out, yes, the Austin Idol commercial. I love that. Paid consideration. Promotional consideration was paid for by Austin Idol's uh, school. His, uh, uh, hang on a second. Wait, it was fantastic because it had, it had an old school commercial feel to it from top to bottom. He was just standing there in his arena and he was like, Jack, you want to make money? Get rid of your day. Stop doing your day, your day job that you hate. Quit the grind. Come make money here at my wrestling school. And he said, I have 9,000 feet, 9,000 square feet of killer, killer, killer amenities. <laughs> and the commercial ends with the shot of his billboard. And you know, you know, it's exactly like you know, like the, the old mattress store commercials or or or, or car dealerships. And it's like, hey, you know what? I paid a pretty penny for that billboard. We're putting it in my commercial. You know, even though billboards on commercials suck, it's a terrible visual. Consistently a terrible visual. But here's and here's the thing. Check this out. I went. Where is it? Where is it? I went. Uh, Check this out, guys. I went to his his school website, the professional wrestling legend Austin Idols Universal Wrestling College, and even his website is like a 1990s uh, Netscape Navigator friendly look. I, it's disgusting. It's wonderful, and I'm like, oh, coaches, I want to learn more about the coaches. Let's go take a look here. Let's load this up. It's uh, you. Say, why not you? Why not now? And then click here for Austin Idol's bio. Look at that. The type, everything is perfect, and it's it's such a pain to, cons- to like to go through. It is such they're throw. It's throwback from top to bottom. I love it. I love it. The joke is complete. I love this. And if y'all are listening to this on, uh, on, um, uh, on your podcast application right now, head on over to universalwrestlingcollege.com. I'm not even sure if this is a work or not. Like, I don't know if this is legit or not. I kind of feel we're being worked. This was fantastic. Oh boy. Critical uh, Critical Sting says Eddie Kingston has to be one of the most underrated micro workers, and he definitely he definitely had a great great promo. Uh, he definitely had a great promo that night. Uh, and um, Eddie King uh, Blaine Mendoza agrees with Critical Sting as well. And Justin Casey says it looks like that Space Jam website indeed. 
the universal heartthrob, as says J.S. Brown. Did I say hello to you, J.S. Brown? I don't think I did. Did you just pop in? I've been ignoring you. Sorry if I've been ignoring you. How you doing, J.S. Brown? Last point I want to touch over. I want to get a bit of a preview in for King of Pro Wrestling. Hey, you remember New Japan? That still exists. That's still a thing. New Japan Pro. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Just think of how wild this past week has been. Again. Talking about WWE, AEW, NWA Power. and But New Japan is still there. Gosh. And we're moving into King of Pro Wrestling this weekend. Uh, we're in the final stretch of New Japan shows. This is going to set the tone for Wrestle Kingdom. We're on the way. We're going to have uh, the Junior Tag League. That's going to start up soon. Then the World Tag League. But man, uh, Wrestle Kingdom is in January. Two days. There's going to be a lot, a lot of stuff to uh, to promote and hype. There's some matches that we're still looking forward to and still not quite sure what's going to happen. But in the meantime, but you see King of Pro Wrestling is here. Going to wrap up some stuff. Lots of angles, lots of storylines are going to get wrapped up here to make way for the final push to Wrestle Kingdom. Quick preview of the matches here. We're going to have Taguchi and Rapongi 3K, or at least Show and Yo, versus... Um, uh, uh, the uh, excuse me, Suzuki Goon trio of El Desperado, Kanemaru, and Duki. I don't see anything happening to Show and Yo right now. I think they're being booked really, really strong so that they can come off as uh, credible tag teams that can take on the heavyweights. Um, so I I believe Taguchi and Rapongi 3K are coming out on top here. Um, Hiroshi Tanahashi and Hanma are going to be taking on Togi Makabe and Toru Yano. Toru Yano bringing back the most violent players, MVP. Don't see Tanahashi going out on this one. There's no reason for Makabe or Yano to win this. Los Ingonabarnables de Japón, represented by Naito, Tagaki, and Bushi, versus the Suguki Gun trio of Zack Sabre Jr., Lance Archer, and Taichi. This this could be this is a this is a sleeper. This could be a lot of fun. You've got some great great people. I am all for Shingo and Lance Archer going at each other, just slapping the tar out of each other. It's gonna be fun. And if Taichi, if Taichi brings it tai chi can deliver so but ultimately you know what i think uh i think the uh the saguki gun dudes are going to do it and if only because bushi is there on um on lij side and i think he's there to take the pin we're going to be wrapping up this this neat little interlude between minoru suzuki and jushin thunder liger is it going to be Jushin Thunder Liger or are we going to see Kishin Liger? Is he going to make a comeback? And I'm a bit torn here because Kishin Liger tried to stab <laughs> Minoru Suzuki, right? A couple of weeks ago. And that's I think that's kind of the persona we'd like I, I'd like to see fight 
Suzuki here. But the Kishin Liger sightings, I this is like the third or the fourth in the history of Liger's career. Chat, feel free to correct me here, but over um, over Liger's illustrious career, the, the Kishin Liger persona hasn't been pulled out all that much. So whatever happens, I think Liger is going to win the match. I don't think Suzuki is going, is going to win here. However, I'm still kind of wondering, do, do I want to see Kishin Liger? Just because I love the rarity of it. And if we're expecting it, it doesn't it kind of take away from the just the shock of it? Like Daniel says in the chat, he's just having some fun and letting his dark side out against uh, Suzuki before he retires. Sure, sure. And I can get behind it. I'm just being picky. And I'm definitely not going to sit there and say, if he does pull it out, I'll be like, I won't be like, boo. Because it makes sense for, for them to do it. Rumors that Suzuki is uh, is eyeing uh, stepping away from New Japan for a while. Um, I wouldn't see why not. He's a he's a guy. He's well traveled. He's wrestled elsewhere before. I uh, you know maybe he's disappointed with the way he's being booked. Can't say I disagree with him. But we'll see. Apparently his contract is up for renewal soon. We don't hear. We don't hear much contract news coming out of New Japan. Very tight-lipped about that kind of stuff. So when something does drop like that, it piques the curiosity much more. Will Ospreay will be uh, defending the uh, junior heavyweight title against El Fantasmo. I don't think this is where Ospreay is going to drop it. I think he retains. John Moxley will be defending the U.S. title against jo- Juice Robinson in a match that was announced yesterday. It's going to be a no-disqualification match. I think that all but guarantees that Juice Robinson is going to be taking the title. I think uh I think I think we're going to see Mox step away from New Japan for a while, go and focus on what he has to do in AEW. I don't think he's done with um I don't think he's done with New Japan by a long shot. I hope he comes back soon. Um he just needs to watch his elbow come back healthy and do some more crazy stuff because his New Japan run was gold and it helped make him. That was fantastic. Kota Ibushi is going to uh, be putting his uh, Wrestle Kingdom main event spot on the line against Evil. I think this is all smoke and mirrors. Kota Ibushi is going to retain because the main event for Wrestle Kingdom at this point cannot be anything else than Okada. Kazuchika Okada versus Kota Ibushi. And Okada is going to be defending his title against Sonata. I don't think Sonata is winning as much as I love Sonata. And I have been calling for his this being his main event. Yeah, I, I think I've been saying that since 2017. Oh, this is Sonata's year. And last year, oh, this is Sonata's year. And this year, oh, this is Sonata's year. And I think it's turned. Well, it's not his year to be champ, but this is the year that he broke out as a top tier, tippy top guy. He is amazing. He's going to have a barn burner versus Okada. And you know what? I actually hope. This is what I'm this is what I'm praying for folks. Sonata is such a talented determined guy. He's been all over the world. He was sent off in, on excursion in the early in the early part of the 2010s because New Japan was like, "You know what, dude? 
you're not you're not ready yet. You just go do other stuff. He wrestled in Mexico. He wrestled in uh, in TNA. He, he he went and he picked up all this experience, came back, honed his craft, broke out of a of a, a of a pigeonhole that he had been put into, a tag team wrestler, to become what he is today. He is so incredibly talented. He has, his game has risen tremendously. And that was the preface to what I want to get to here. I hope that Sonata and Kazuchika Okada become the new Okada Kenny Omega. And I think the guys have the chemistry and the talent and the age as well, because neither of them are, are old dudes to pull it off, to have another series of extended matches where Sonata, where, where Okada is the final boss again and where Sonata just does whatever he can, can't beat him, goes back to the drawing board, comes back to challenge him again. I would dig another series like that and these are two guys that the audience buys into. They're charismatic. It would be fantastic. And as much as I love Kota Ibushi, don't get me wrong. I think Sonata Okada has a lot more going for it. Uh, but uh, yeah, essentially right now uh, for for the for next Monday's show, Okada is going to retain. I was wondering what you were talking about, Blaine, in the chat. Says, Ubushi is taking that strap off of Olaf. I was like, Olaf? Well, that's at Wrestle Kingdom. We're not there yet. I don't know, man. I don't know. Sonata and uh, Daniel Price says, Sonata got trained by Muda. He paid very close attention. He's so good. He wrestled the guy who taught him and went heel on him. He's done everything. Sonata's fantastic. He's so good. Benoit points out in the chat, Mox is the first ever wrestler to win both WWE and New Japan US Championships. Wow, that that's fantastic. Right up until Jay White goes to WWE. I'll just sit back here and sip this for a second and let that thought sink in. No Jay White on the card. I'm a little disappointed. He's my boy. He's my heel. I love him. You know, the MJ, the MJF shenanigans that they're pulling off on uh, that they're pulling off uh, with um, uh, just last night, uh, a couple of nights ago. No, last night on AEW. You know, MJF running in to save Cody. MJF is not a heel. And, and I, I, I'm closing the show on this. MJF is not a heel. And especially when you consider, you know, Cody said before, you know, heels, uh, heels, Heels and baby faces, darling, is so passe. Yeah. <laughs> he, um, I get that, you know, they're very fluid with their alignments. I understand that. And MJF, you know, he, that's what he, you know, that's what he's doing. He, you know, he goes out, gets the heel reactions, but then he'll come in and save Cody, who is the top baby face in the company right now. That's the difference between him and, 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 um, and that's the difference between him and uh, and uh, Jay White 
white is not going to run in to save a good guy. Never. And MJF may be a really good heel. He may be committed to his gimmick and being an asshole just any, for everywhere he goes. But people cheer for the guy. They're happy when he comes out. They like him to, they like to be berated by him because he's so charismatic and clever. He, he, he you know, has these quips. He wants him to, you know, he, people want him to tell them that he's, that they're nerds, that they're virgins. They're looking forward to it. Now, the thing is, as far as MJ, as far as MJF goes, um, is that people get excited to see them. Nobody gets excited to see Jay White. No one wants to see Jay White win. People are like, I'm so glad MJF got a win last week. No one says that about Jay White. No one said, God damn, I am so glad Jay White is Intercontinental Champion. So very, very happy he beat Tatsuya Naito. So glad about it. No one says that. No one is excited when Jay White wins matches. No... They pay, and it's not go-home heat. People stick around to see Jay White get beaten. And then when he wins, they start filing out of the arena. And what does Jay White do? He picks up the microphone and he says, bye-bye, come again, so long, Naito fans. That's fantastic. He beats dudes. like He beats Hiroshi Tanahashi. With a with a leg bar, what does he do? He calls it the TT, uh, the uh, yeah, the TT, uh, the TTO, the Tanahashi tapped out. He he names his moves after the guys he's beaten. He's a he's a dick. That to me is a wrestling asshole. Not going out and being clever. And I love MJF. Don't get me wrong. I think he's fantastic. He's a unique talent. He's great. I love his mic work. He's amazing. But you cannot convince me that he's a better heel than Jay White. You just can't. So there we have it, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to wrap this one up. We're going to wrap this one up this week. I want to thank everyone for coming out and uh, and joining me. Um, and, join <laughs> and Kristen in the chat says, I need to start watching New Japan just to watch Jay White. Respect. Y yes, Kristen, you'd like Jay White. You really would. Um, uh, and Daniel Price says he's a Kiwi son of a bitch and he loves the total opposite of milk toast white gear. Jay White, yeah, <laughs> yes, my god, he was so bad, he was so so bad. Anywho, um, an Aaron Jay's fan does point out something. Last comment I'm going to read off here points out MJF is like The Rock, if you think about it, not a bad comparison, not a bad comparison. But thank you all for coming out here this evening for the show. I really do appreciate it. And I appreciate all your efforts. If you haven't given a like to the video and you, you did like it, hey, well, why don't you think about doing it? And if you're watching this live right now on youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes, head on over to the Patreon. Uh, in a few minutes, we're going to be starting up. Warren is off the clock. I'm going to be talking about AW Dark, JR's weird, weird ass commentary and Molly Holly. So you want to be there for that. I do believe. If you're not a patron right now, you can go you can go jump in immediately. You've got time. I'll be there in a couple of minutes. Gonna go freshen myself up. Let's <laughs> let's call it that. Anyway, so uh good show, fun show. Thank you all, everyone, for joining uh this evening. And if you don't make it to the Patreon, well, guess what? I will see you.